welcome to the Time Shifters podcast. I'm your host, Christopher. This podcast takes a fun look at the films of long past, recent past, and the almost present, as well as the events and news surrounding them. I would love to hear from you, and there are several ways to get in touch with the show. Look for the Time Shifters podcast group on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Time Shifters Pod, or you can send us a typed or recorded message to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and please check us and our fellow podcasters out over on podchaser.com. Please rate and review the show at any of these outlets. All these links can be found on timeshifterspodcast.com. Now let's head to the Timeshifter studio and start the show. Everyone, and welcome back to the Time Shifters podcast. We hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving holiday and are getting ready for your Hanukkah, Christmas, Festivus, whatever it is. <laughs> Tom, how are you? Well, I'm just very merry. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> bah humbug, as usual. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> That's actually the film we should be talking about. We should be watching A Christmas Carol. That's the only thing that usually gets me in the mood for the holidays. Ah, uh, but see, I feel like a little bit of what we're about to get into has a hint of that. Yeah, perhaps a little bit. Uh, yeah, but we'll we'll get into that in a little bit here. Uh, there is a couple little news stories we should just bring up. Um, and you, you said this before we started recording. We wish we could start one of these shows without having to report any kind of death in the kind of geek community. But unfortunately, we have to mention David Prowse passed away. I know. At age of 85. I thought he might have been a little older, but <laughs> 85 just doesn't seem that old to me anymore. <laughs> I know quite a few people that have lived and are living well into their 90s now. And I've got, you know, grandparents or, you know, in-laws and stuff that have... So when I hear 85, I think, oh, so young. <laughs> Doesn't hurt that every day that we're still around, we get a lot closer to that. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yeah, I can see that you start seeing those those numbers on the horizon. There may be a distant horizon, maybe, but they're still on the horizon. They're a lot, they're a lot close. It's when they're closer than zero. <laughs> Because both of us are, we're closer to 85 than we were to birth. <laughs> yeah. David Prowse is, of course, most well known as the uh, the man who played Darth Vader in all the original Star Wars films. At least, you know, he was the body of Darth Vader, if not the voice. Uh, but he had a uh, a long film career and a, a, a career as a British weightlifting champion. Yes. you know prior to that, uh, and and apparently just I actually had a chance to. Um, he's been at a con or two that I've been to, mm-hmm. and there is nothing bad you could say about the man. You know he he loved his fans as much as his fans loved him. He really enjoyed meeting his fans. And the fact that, you know, he'd been in poor health for some time and would still go to these conventions. So that says something a little bit about the man, that he is just, this is something he wanted to do. The the fans were people he wanted to meet, he wanted to be around. And frankly, if he was, you know, he lived to be 85 years old, maybe a little bit of that was because of all the love and admiration he got from his fans. Sure. I have to share the the one anecdote that's uh, that's going around uh, 
and, and it's been cited more than a few times online. So this is redundant, but I really enjoy it. That that whole notion of when uh, George Lucas came to him to cast him in one of the uh, the suits, he actually gave him the option between Chewbacca and Darth Vader at the time. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yes. Interesting. Okay. Um, he gave him the choice between the two, and he picked Darth Vader because he's like, everybody remembers the bad guy. and i can't disagree and especially when it's that bad guy yeah no he he was awesome i mean people probably don't give him well i think they do i was gonna say they don't really give him the credit but darth vader yeah the voice with james earl jones obviously it makes him very memorable but it's still david prowse had to actually be Darth Vader. He had to act. He had to speak the lines in order to get, you know, everything out of that character when he was on screen. And he did a fantastic job. The voice absolutely helps make that character, but David Prowse has just as much to do with why Darth Vader is the character and is the presence that he was in those films. And and that's what I was going to say. It is how he carries the character. I mean, literally carrying the character as much as James Earl Jones's voice is, is, is iconic for that. But the scenes where he is just standing large and he's, he's reaching his hand out and making you believe that, that with his gesture, he is killing a man. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and that's not uh, when you're wearing all of that and to 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 still be able to evoke that it, that's not nothing <laughs> no absolutely not that is one thing that i kind of really appreciate about star wars fans is how much love they have given to the people that you never see on screen oh yeah when you think about anthony daniels uh kenny baker mm-hmm. uh david prouse and um Oh, help me out. The the Chewbacca. I'm blanking on his name all of a sudden. A Mayhew. Peter Mayhew. Thank you. Uh, you never see their faces. You never hear their voice, or sort of only kind of hear their voices, I guess. Um, eh. Daniel's, yeah. you, you hear his voice for C-3PO, but you never see his face. So these people show up on at the conventions and go, oh yeah, that was me. And you're like, awesome. I want your autograph. I want to spend time with you. And I'm like, that's that's awesome. Well, yeah, because uh, I mean, it's one thing to be the voice, but you're the guy that's there. You're you're the one that they're seeing, even if it's under all sorts of either makeup or costumes or whatever. So right. Yeah, especially especially first of all, I love the fact that there is someone inside R two D two. That <laughs> I have to admit, even when I was younger, I, I, at no point did I ever guess that there was a human being inside that tin can. The fact that there was, and then the fact that that Kenny Baker was so accepted by all the fans as being that character, and, and welcome to all the conventions and the autograph signings and everything like that, I think is, I think that's phenomenal. I don't even know. I don't have words for it because I mean that's. It, you're right. It, the fact that you can love somebody that um, is essentially doing prop work. Um, mm-hmm. I, I you just you know what we need to start uh, 
and, and I did watch a little about this. I don't know all the people that were involved, but there needs to be a fan base built around just the guys that controlled Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> right. There should be there should be a big drive by the fandom to incorporate some of more of the production crew. I mean, these are the guys that probably just there. It's Bob, the guy that works over at Studio Five. You know, right? <laughs> but 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 he's Bob who works at Studio Five. That was the left leg of like Slice Noodles or something at Jabba's Palace. <laughs> That's too funny. Yeah, but I mean, like. Let's start a fan base behind the guy who played Greedo. <laughs> yeah, I think that was a woman. Was it? <laughs> yes. That's awesome. Even better. And I apologize. I honestly never bothered to look up who was in the Greedo costume. <laughs> but see, in, in honor of David Prowse, let's, uh, let, let's start a thing for all the other unsung people that are all in the makeup and costumes that are equally carrying the weight of... Uh, this world upon their shoulders because without them um it's just a bunch of people running around shooting each other <laughs> right yeah so anyway very sad uh certainly condolences to all his friends family and all his fans yes the other, the other news story that i had here was it's also kind of a little bit of a death the arecibo telescope from in puerto rico you may not know it by name, but you'd know it if you saw it. It's made its appearance in many TV shows and movies. I, especially, I'm thinking, the first one I think of is GoldenEye. Yes. It played a very big part. It was the, the giant telescope. It's like built into a hole in the ground thing. It's in a, it's in a natural, it's in a crater. Right. It's been running for 57 years, but unfortunately, uh, you know, money just wasn't enough to to maintain it and it had some cable breaks on the large uh what was it called the uh the actual uh, instrument platform that was suspended above the dish Mm -hmm. and it looked like they said it was going to be dismantled because these cables were starting to break and they said if another one goes that's it it was just going to be too much to repair they were so they were going to go ahead and decommission it and shut it down there was a few people that tried to like, are you sure? Are you sure we can't fix it? Well, unfortunately, the telescope decided to make the decision for them, and the third cable broke, uh, sending the 900-ton instrument platform crashing 400 feet below into the dish, uh, pretty much uh, destroying the thing. It's a shame. It, that is, it, it was such a huge an incredible installation when you see that in films or in television it's like it was just one of those little geek things of mine that was like someday i'm gonna i want to go see that right (laughs) and so now it's like ah and now it's gone (laughs) yeah i do know that there's still some love out there there's hope to uh while you can't save what was there there there's still some talk about uh rebuilding Really, mm. I think it would just cost. It would just it would have to cost just millions of dollars to do, though. Oh well, yeah, no, definitely cost in that kind of range, but uh, uh, probably probably more on the level of billion, hundreds, hundred, hundreds of millions at least. Yeah, at least. So, um, but because it was so iconic, it's kind of 
it, it's still got some love. There are fans that uh, and scientists that all over the world that would love to see it uh, resurrected, maybe. So yeah, fingers crossed. Well, if nothing else, maybe they could just leave it and let the jungle start to take over. It'd still make it quite the uh, the destination for you know hikers and 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 travelers for the sort of. Uh, you know what happens when people are gone, kind of thing. You know. Oh well, yeah. I can life, see it. life after people. <laughs> From that standpoint alone, it'll still be a movie destination as a ruin that uh, that people could film in. Yeah, well, absolutely. As long as they can make it, you know, safe enough. Because I'm, I'm sure, the longer they leave this thing, it is just a giant and incredibly large, complex web of steel. So. Not sure how how safe all that is, especially now. True, but uh, you know they 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 could do uh, Golden Eye two there. <laughs> <laughs> They're running out of Bond ideas. <laughs> Why yeah. not? Yeah, yeah. The yeah, the new considering the new Bond film was using the same uh, font face as the Love Boat. That should tell you something. put that one together but that's interesting it is trust me mm, no time out. to die i think it's called yeah 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 you see the posters it's the same font face as the love boat not sure who made that decision those are the two news stories i had was, was there something else we wanted to mention oh absolutely there's something we wanted to mention um the the discussion of the rise of the toxic avenger Oh, that's right. Yes, the Talking to Adventure uh, reboot is on its way. And the cast, or the casting of the main character, is it, it's a fun one. Mm-hmm. Peter Dinklage, one of my favorite actors of all time. I love Peter Dinklage. And him saying that he's prepared to play the lead role in the toxic avenger i i can't even wait to see what that kind of take is on that i am very curious uh, you know is it really gonna be is he gonna be the toxic avenger and literally be like man in a suit toxic avenger or are they going to cgi the toxic avenger are they gonna do a motion capture thing with peter dinklage as the toxic avenger this is gonna be one to watch <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I want him as involved as possible in person. I love his voice. He can voice anything, but I really don't want to go the animated route, the, uh, the CGI, the, the character to which he is the persona, but I, mm-hmm. I want him, him, the, the man that is Peter Dinklage to play well, that that's, part. That's- that's what I'm wondering because you know Toxic Adventure is, you know he's a six foot tall, hulking, mutant guy. So are we going to have a, the four foot tall? <laughs> I, I I am ready for that. I want to see that. <laughs> I don't have a problem with it. It's just going to be you know if you're going to reboot it and you want to you know make it your own, that's a great start. <laughs> Absolutely no I. I'm nothing but excited to see where that goes. 
Yeah, it should be crazy. I'm, I'm with you. Peter Dinklage can do pretty much whatever he wants, and I, I will watch him in the film. We we enjoyed him in Nights and ba- of Badassdom. Um, he was great in the uh, the the X Men film that he was in. Oh um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Trask, I believe he played. And uh, I want to say there was a couple other things I've seen him in fairly recently, but um, I'm, I'm blanking on him now. Uh, but yeah, he he's just great to watch I, I don't have a problem watching him at all uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that Marvel took him and made him um, a giant in the uh, infinity wars he was on he was on the plant that planet thing that where they made uh, Thor's new weapon oh he was a builder oh that's right yep thank you I remember that now yeah so that was a uh, I love that, and then of course I, I was a big Game of Thrones fan, and his character in Game of Thrones was amazing. He's become one of those actors where I really like it when he just shows up. You don't know he's going to show up, and it just in some scene in some film and or television show, and all of a sudden, oh, it's Peter Dinklage! <laughs> You're like, yes. <laughs> well, and since it's this time of year, and we were discussing this prior, uh, I know you're not a huge Will Ferrell fan, but. In the movie Elf, um, he makes an appearance as a children's book writer, and because of his stature and the fact that Will Ferrell is playing a human who happened to be raised by elves, he can't get he can't not call Peter Dinklage's character an elf, elf. and of course. <laughs> Peter Dinklage's character is not taking that so well. So the the that that particular scene where he is just losing his mind that the that Buddy is busy calling him an elf and he has no idea why Buddy is calling him an elf, but he's hearing <laughs> nothing but the derogatory and he climbs up on the uh, the conference room table, runs across it and just starts beating the crap out of Will Ferrell. <laughs> And it's awesome. I love it. See, see, uh, you don't you don't care for Will Ferrell, but you get to watch nope. Peter Dinklage beat Will Ferrell. How can you miss uh, that? I can, I can probably just dig up that scene on YouTube, and uh, I'm, I'll be good. There you go. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's all the the news fifth dimension that I can think of. Oh, I know, I know. This was something that came out about a week ago prior to the recording, but it's still, I think it's still being, it might have actually been decided, but it was looking like the Godzilla versus King Kong was going to be the next big film to go streaming rather than to the theaters. And there was a bit of a battle between Netflix and HBO Max as far as who was going to carry the film. I... I don't know. Has has a decision been made on that? I have not followed it to find out where that landed. But uh, seeing as how HBO Max gets to carry um, the new Wonder Woman movie on Christmas Day, uh, um, I'm sure that uh, Netflix is pushing hard to be able to compete directly. I'm um, a bit disappointed, uh, I guess. Again, it's one of those films that I think would need to be seen on the big screen. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think I'm going to be able to find a screen big enough <laughs> here at home <laughs> that I'm really going to enjoy that film. 
that is still uh, from the very the first uh, of the modern Godzilla films. It's one of the things that I don't know how they got permission to do it. I actually saw that film in IMAX, and during the opening um, countdown tunnel scene that they do whenever they open an IMAX film, they actually ended it with the Godzilla roar. And, nice. And I don't know any other big name movie where they've gotten to change that. So, <laughs> so I enjoyed that thoroughly. And yes, I, I'm totally with you. I want as giant as uh, I want to get as close to him as one to one scale as possible. <laughs> right. Yeah, as far as I can tell, it's still a, uh, still kind of a bit of a bidding war between Netflix and HBO Max. Uh, I, I have a lot of friends that are really hoping for Netflix because they already have it. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm currently enjoying the fact that apparently with my Comcast, since I get the premium channels and I have HBO already, I can stream HBO Max stuff through Comcast. Nice, good. So that, I don't have either one, so wherever this ends up, I'm going to have to end up springing for a little bit to uh, in order to watch this stupid thing. At least a month. <laughs> yep. Hopefully there'll be a, a free trial floating around or something that I can uh, I can jump on. Eh, look at it this way. Yeah, for what, even if it's not a free trial, you, you would pay for a month less than you would have for the ticket to go to the theater. That's, that is a very good point. So... You squeeze in a few other things, you, you've made your money. But that is definitely all the news, I think, that uh, I wanted to mention. Without going so anywhere think, more depressing. <laughs> yes, yeah, we don't need to do that. So let's go ahead and uh, take a short break here, listen to a promo for another podcast. And when we get back, we're going to celebrate our Christmas season here with a film from 2015 called Krampus. Hey there, do you like movies, cartoons, video games, anime, and everything in between? Then we have a show for you. The Four Nerds by Nerds podcast. Every week, Josh and Ben bring you all the latest and greatest in movie reviews, news, commentaries, interviews, special guests, and tons of bonus episodes. New episodes come out every Monday. We also make great nerdy content on our YouTube channel. You can find our show anywhere podcasts are found. The Four Nerds by Nerds Podcast. Your one stop for all your nerdy needs. Stay nerdy, my friends. It's the most wonderful time of the year. With the kids jingle bells. Merry Christmas! Looks like Martha Stewart threw up in here. This is delicious, honey. It's a little dry. Well, mine's delicious. Mine's dry. Do you want to trade? It's the It's Christmas. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. With those holiday greetings and How we're going to survive Christmas with 12 people stuck in a house with no heat and no electricity. Or food. There's plenty of leftovers, Howard. Beer it is. 
It's the weirdest thing. There's no cars, no people. How long can this keep up? We heard something on the roof. What the hell is this? St. Nicholas is not coming this year. Instead, a much darker ancient spirit. Those are hooves. Elk or a goat? What kind of goat walks on its hind legs? His name is Krampus. He and his helpers did not come to give, but to take. Everybody, hold on to each other. He is the shadow of Saint Nicholas. It's Christmas. Nothing bad's gonna happen on Christmas. All right, welcome back. Yeah, this was a film you came up with and put on the list. It's one that I knew about, like many other films. It's one I've heard about. I've heard people talk about it. Um, didn't know a great deal about it other than the fact that it was Krampus. And you even brought this up right before we recorded. There's apparently three or four Krampus films that all came out about the same time. It was like uh, Hollywood or uh, filmmakers in general just happened to hear about the Krampus legend all at the same time for some reason. <laughs> kind of seems they only way. just they only just discovered it in the early 2000s or something. Honestly, I only came across this one myself like I knew of it, but it was one of those things um I didn't have too many people that uh I could sit down with for um a horror movie let alone uh, um a holiday themed horror movie. So I hadn't caught it or realized what it was till last year. And it happened to be on one of the cable networks. Um, but I found that uh, I'm like, I'm starting to watch this. I'm like, this thing's interesting. And then I got sucked <laughs> in. And then not only did I get sucked in, but I'm like, this one's just in that sweet spot for where my son is right now in his development that I'm like, he would like this. It's not super scary. Um, it's the right amount of creepy and fun. So I sat him down and he absolutely loves this film. Um, <laughs> in fact, because of uh, uh, Thanksgiving last week, we sat down and watched this after thanksgiving together for for the podcast this week um just a whole lot of fun for him excellent that's fun yeah honestly i didn't know i much like the filmmakers i didn't know anything about krampus until probably the you know the 20 teens when the the film started coming out and i started learning a little bit more about this this dark sort of anti chris kringle <laughs> you know the the darker side the the uh, it's a coming from a more of a the German um, uh, mythology about a character that will come and uh, literally steal misbehaving kids 
uh, prior to Christmas, stuff them in his bag and 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 cart them off. Yeah, I'd rather get the little bit of coal in the stocking. Oh, I know, right? Um, actually, the the thing I learned recently too is uh, the the legend of Krampus actually predates Christianity. Yeah, they believe it does. Yeah, I thought I was just reading a little bit about that. So I'm like that that's insane. So uh, the, the fact that we've gone this long and didn't actually know of it or that no one picked on it till very, very recently. Well, I'm guessing our parents were actually the nice kind of parents that didn't say, if you don't behave, someone's going to come and steal you from your bed and drag you off into the woods. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I only had to hear about lumps of coal. <laughs> right. <laughs> Shall you do a synopsis of this thing? Yes, Krampus from 2015. Young Max Ingle finds his Christmas spirit waning as he grows older. His older sister wants nothing to do with a holiday, being the disinterested teen that she is. Dad is busy with his work, and Mom is struggling to keep up with the demands of holiday preparation. Add to all this the onslaught of the extended family visiting for Christmas which leads to a vicious taunting at the dinner table by his cousins for his belief in Santa Claus, and poor Max finally breaks and gives up whatever remaining Christmas spirit he had. This opens the door for the evil Krampus to invade. Suddenly, Max and his family find themselves in a fight for survival as Krampus and his minions begin collecting them and their neighbors to take back to the underworld. So yeah, not really knowing anything about this movie... It, I sat down and watched it. I liked it. Uh, there was a lot of stuff that I liked. I didn't love it. Okay. But I liked it. I it was it was good. It was a good movie. Um, I started out loving it. The first like ten minutes of this film, I think, are just hilarious. I they're just it's great. You got the uh, the deal with the uh, Max dealing with his issues and then the in-laws come and it is it's like a a national lampoon's christmas vacation <laughs> very much so uh oh and that opening see just the opening title sequence of the film uh the slow motion uh rush into the mall or wherever mm, they were to, yes exactly with yeah, the shoppers yeah, the sort of the Black Friday kind of thing going on, the, the people fighting and literally getting knocked out over the, the latest doll or or game platform, yeah. And then by the time you're actually with the family who we, to which we will spend that, there is just all sorts of wrong going on with them <laughs> at, at uh, Max's little uh, recital or whatever that was <laughs> supposed to be. I was surprised in this one that they went with someone as old as they did to play Max because I feel like he was really looking like he was pushing the the what I would consider believable for believing in Santa Claus. How much how old do you think uh Max is? He appears to me to be kind of nearing that 11 12 13 it's interesting that you say that, and uh, I know for a fact that Jack won't listen to this, uh, uh, but my son is 11, and he mm -hmm. still believes wholeheartedly. Okay, all right. So, 
I guess I just figured by that time, that's where the doubts start setting in. Sure, which and, is why I think this is the right age. Uh, he, You're right. He's a little older. Uh, lots of kids give it up a, a little sooner, and uh, that's why I, I guess part of my uh, charm with this is I literally have a son that is at about the age range that this is, that he's pushing his belief a little too long, mm-hmm. and... Uh, and yeah, that that whole notion he he wants it to be special, um, but there's a lot of the real world just tugging at him. Um, and in Max's case, he's got a little too much family issues <laughs> to yes, contend yeah. with. And that's true. And this film is really great because this film does not, you know, it it doesn't say Santa Claus doesn't exist. In fact, quite the opposite, without actually saying it, but by saying because Krampus exists. Yes. The, well, certainly then, so does Santa Claus. Yeah, so the, the alternate is true, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I, I got to tell you, too, especially since you're taking on the comedy aspects from the beginning, uh, the, one of the things I did love about this and that was charming for me the first time I had caught it by accident was how many of the actors were from comedic work, primarily. I mean, Adam Scott, who plays the dad. Uh, What's he from? He seemed a little familiar, but it, I... Parks I don't and Rec. Oh, okay. No, I haven't seen that. I, I, I don't know. I don't know why he seemed familiar then. He must have seen clips or something like that. I'm sure he's in, uh, and I haven't done his full... Uh, background but yeah no he he was uh the predominant he was the love interest uh, on uh parks and rec for uh the main character Amy nice well, they did, main character and they definitely pulled in someone uh definitely familiar with the the comedy with uh what conchata Farrell yes. as aunt dorothy yeah what was uh, the two and a half men was is probably one of the more her most well-known roles but she's got a, a long uh, film and television career, uh, all playing rather, you know, the comedic roles. Yeah, she kind of walked on the screen. And I'm like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't know why. Uh, I, I'm not actually seeing as much as I thought, but I thought Tony Coilette Co- uh, actually did more comedy-based stuff. But actually, she come, seems to come from a, a more uh, drama-based background. Mm-hmm. But she's great. Uh, she's a fantastic actress, and so she was awesome to see in this. Krista Stadler, um, who again, I don't, I know she's been in a ton of stuff. She plays the grandmother in in, mm-hmm. in the movie. Um, the grandmother kind of really pulls this movie together. Well, one, she's the uh, She's that linchpin back to the the lore behind uh, Krampus to begin with, um, and possibly even the reason, part of the reason Krampus is here now. Uh. Well, she certainly thinks it's thinks so. She obviously doesn't know that Max has done anything that might have brought him. So she had an experience with him, as she explained. She had experience with Krampus when she was a little girl. That Krampus came and 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 took her village. <laughs> yeah, there was a lack of spirit in the entire village because of the war and everything in Germany, and she lost her spirit. And, and yeah, Krampus came and took everyone but her. And it was 
odd. I was watching that, and I was watching, and I loved the fact that they did that in an animated style. Because I was watching that and thinking, this has got to be their sort of homage to the old Rankin-Bass Christmas stuff. You know, the the, the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Santa Claus Comes to Town, that sort of stuff. Yeah, that stop-motion animation uh, feel. Although this was definitely CG. I mean, it looked like something out of Pixar or something like that. But just the fact that they did it in in an animation, I'm thinking it's got to be. You know, uh, they could have... I don't think it would have worked had they done the old Rankin-Bass stuff. Right. But... That has to be what that was for. Uh, yeah, I think it was supposed to be emblematic of that. Um, and then, uh, uh, well, and you weren't going to fully pull off a rank and bass because they went dark. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. that, but that was such a good piece uh, of, uh, of backstory. I mean, lots of people have done versions of that before, but uh, that one was really effective the way they did it. Um, it, that if it weren't so depressing, that could be a story unto itself. <laughs> Yo, uh, yeah. There was a part of me where I, I wasn't sure where the film was going to go, and I'm watching that moment, and, you know, she's, of course, a little girl, and she's in Germany and everything, and I'm thinking, wow, this this could be a like a, a Holocaust analogy. But mm-hmm. I was like, well, she's Christian, though, but not Jewish. But, I mean, you could, you, you could, have, you could have worked something in where maybe she was Jewish then, and maybe she converted when she came to the states or something, but you could definitely work in an analogy with that with those scenes. I, and I honestly thought that that's where this thing was going. That's how it felt. Yeah, no, it, it had that level of bleak about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was reading a couple things that the um, the director uh, Michael Daughtery, the whole thing was sort of his own homage to like some of the eighties horror comedies like gremlins oh yes and yeah you can definitely i mean this is definitely in that same flavor no definitely uh yeah he he's trying to get that uh it was actually noted in a couple of the things that i that i've gone through that it it pulls in you mentioned like uh um vacation um Mm -hmm. it it pulls in a bit of that that sense of humor at the beginning of it um, it takes on gremlins from the perspective of uh, uh, kind of a creepy uh, um, film from that time period. Uh, it, it just draws from a whole bunch of elements uh, for the time, but it, it just, it's just a lot of fun. And, and I, I, could, I didn't realize at the time, but uh, he's also the, uh, this is his, this is his Christmas movie, but the, He's also responsible for the uh, the classic horror mil- movie Trick or Treat. Yeah, I saw that. Not one I've seen. I think that was that's another one that I've um, always meant to, to to dial up, and I and I have not yet. And and, and neither, honestly, neither have I. Um, and I know that one continues to gain traction. It's become quite the cult movie these days. Because uh, I mean. Trick or treat it was a big theme for a lot of the uh, Halloween decorations that were out in some of the things like Spirit Halloween this year. Hmm. Large contingent of that. So, and and I really wanted it if it wasn't like hundreds of dollars. It was the first time I'd ever seen it, and it was available in a Spirit Halloween. They had Krampus. This Krampus. Nice. A, oh, a full size. <laughs> 
Krampus. I'm like, nice. Holy crap. <laughs> I went to a screening and this little bit of a, it is connected, but I, I went to a screening of the, um, the premiere of the Blu-ray release of Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. <laughs> okay. And there was someone there in a very great, I've got a picture of it. I was going to try to dig it up, but I, I, I didn't get a chance. There was a man there dressed as as a Krampus. Oh, really? Nice. Going around and kind of, you know, doing photo ops and stuff. Uh, I thought that was a, a lot of fun. So I have met Krampus. Nice. <laughs> it wasn't this one, though. <laughs> Probably one styled off of one of the other Krampus movies. Yeah, very possible. Yeah, that was definitely one of the things that I liked about this film a lot was the visual aspects of the film. The character design of Krampus and all his little minions were fantastic. This gets into that conversation you and I have so often, the the, the notion of the practical effect. I yes. Am, this, the, the, the makeup, the costumes, the, uh, the effects that they did with actual physical things was just really outstanding and very creepy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, Krampus, I mean, he's, first of all, you don't see him for most of the film, not in, in its entirety. And when you do see him, you find out he's like wearing someone else's face. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I don't know why. I don't know if I want to know what's underneath that face, but yeah, all right. <laughs> Well, the thing it with works. the yeah, with the thing with the face that uh, that gets me, and, and I didn't actually. I, did you get that from somewhere, or is that something you're reading into it? No, I did get that from somewhere, and it was one of those things that you you look back and you see how his eyes don't quite they don't line match. up with the socket. Right, exactly. Yeah, so apparently he's he is wearing a face, but it's never revealed or it's. There's absolutely no idea whose face it is. It's interesting that you point that out because uh, now that makes it way more creepy. I thought uh, until I found that out right now, that was the one thing that took me out of it was because the face never moves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, well, he's even got like the the hanging open jaw. Yeah. And I'm thinking you, you think, you know, that it's like, okay, he's wearing a face. Well, that's the face that that's just gravity and there's nothing to hold no muscle to hold that jaw up and that's why it hangs open like that and like aha that's disgusting oh, okay now now I'm a little more terrified than I was before I, <laughs> I just thought someone had made a mask and they didn't put any animation into it at all <laughs> nope 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 all all intentional so yeah it's even it's even worse than you thought Tom okay now that, that <laughs> I, I might have to leave that out of telling my son it's one of the things that gets him through the movie that that it looks fake <laughs> like uh yeah yeah uh, like keep going with that yeah you know, like I'm just gonna let that one lie <laughs> yeah no, I loved uh, loved the minion all the, the the character designs of all the the, the minions of Krampus um the, the look of the town after Krampus comes and freezes everything and the, the weird and haunty snowmen that were showing up in the front yard. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. They... Which I really thought there was going to be something to come from them. 
I thought there was going to be something to do with those snowmen. I thought we were going to find out that all the people that got taken were being turned into these snowmen or they were in the snowmen or something. So much of stuff that I was expecting didn't actually end up happening. Not that I'm giving that, not, not saying that that's good or bad, just, uh, yeah, no, like, uh, the, yeah, because nothing like you never saw a snowman move. You just saw that they kept appearing and they kept seeming e- e- even more creepy every time you saw one. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, you didn't know where they came from or why they were there. So that, that it, it, it was an, a. It, it was something, it was a piece of the film that just, you're expecting something and you don't get any, you don't get any love from it. Um, right, yeah. But on the other end of things, there's that thing that keeps traveling under the snow mm-hmm, and taking mm-hmm. people, but you never get to see what it is. No, not exactly. All, all we know is it's got some teeth. Yes. <laughs> And that actually is effective. Uh, like, oh yeah, yeah. Anytime you saw the snow move, you're like, ah, yeah, no, I don't want to be here. <laughs> the notion of how big Krampus is—that anytime they come across a house where he's been in it, um, the the chimney ha- has blown out into the room <laughs> because mm-hmm. he's expanded the wall on the way yeah. down. Those are nice touches. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, they definitely make him a formidable presence in this film. I mean, he is not anyone that you wouldn't want to mess with, regardless of what you're armed with or what you think you know. You you don't want to go face-to-face with Krampus. No, and they were so effective that the first time you get introduced to Krampus, um, Beth, uh, the uh, um, Max's uh, older sister who has gone out to see her boyfriend. Um, mm-hmm. And it was such kind of a, this was one of those moments like, oh no, not her. She seems like one of the least problematic of these, of this yeah. group. And she's Isn't she supposed to be up. the final girl? <laughs> yeah, no, she's first up on the list. I'm like, it, all she's done wrong is being a teenager. <laughs> right. She wasn't even a particularly shitty te- teenager. She's just, I want to spend time with my boyfriend, teenager. Um, but her her going out and the first time you see Krampus and he's in shadow on the rooftop and then begins the leaping and you just hear the bells on him, what is supposed to be a jolly sound <laughs> yeah. and is very effectively not <laughs> as it is hurling its way toward you. Um, and the fact that at no point you, you get his frame, but you don't get to see him and all you get out of the whole scene is a hoof Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, and a left behind treat that was not so, (laughs) not not a very nice treat. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, just, they were very effective in, uh, in making it him as creepy as possible. You know, this film does, we mentioned a little bit about the, 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 uh, the myth or the legends of Krampus. I mean, this film does play with that a little bit. Uh, you know, Max loses his Christmas spirit, but I'm not sure why that means the entire town suddenly falls victim 
to Krampus. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, uh, my son loves to discuss these things at length when he loves one of them. Uh, we haven't gotten to the end, and we're, I'm not going to start by discussing it now, but... I think we're going to have to, though. Just fair warning, folks. We're I think we're going to have to spoil this movie. A little bit, yeah. At, yeah, quite quite a lot, because the ending is something that needs to be discussed. Yes, okay, well, getting... Uh, well, then I'm going to just jump in on the ending and tell you... Uh, where where our thought process went with the way they told this film, this story. Okay. Um, so, at, at, at the end of this, you you th- all at one by one, the family has disappeared. Um, at the hands of uh, um, Krampus and his elves and toys and all of those things, and we haven't even gotten into some of the funnier. Uh, dark but funny things that have happened along the way on some of that, and we can get back to some of that. But Max is trying to make a very altruistic uh, effort to save his family by offering himself up and is hurled into the pit that has opened up in the middle of this town around the little celebration that Krampus and his, uh, his minions are having. And in the end, Max kind of gets his wish. It's like uh, this is definitely a careful what you wish for kind of thing. Yep. He gives him his family back and gives him his Christmas back forever. <laughs> As we've pan out and see that the family and their home have been reduced to a snowball, a snow globe setting on the shelf of Krampus in his workshop. There is, uh, I was reading, there are people that try to take, try to do a happier spin on that Mm -hmm. and say that the the snow globes are just ways for Krampus to, like, look in on, that he actually gave, you know, rewound time, gave Max what he wanted, sent him back so everyone can have a happy Christmas, and that's just his way of looking in and keeping tabs on them, like a sort of just a window, a sort of Krampus television set. But I think that's someone that's really, really working hard for a happy ending. I, I, I'm with you on this one. Those, the poor family's in hell. And that's kind of where we took it, is, yeah, this is a family that they are stuck together having Christmas morning for the rest of their existence. Yes. As are all the other families in all the other snow globes that we pass by as as the camera moves away. <laughs> I, I, I am not the hugest fan of the Christmas celebration, so this, I can't imagine a worse hell than this. <laughs> I, I don't know what has gone wrong. <laughs> but but I hear you. I have had the I have had the occasional nightmarish uh, Christmas day. So the notion of uh, reliving that over and over and over again in this perpetual scenery <laughs> yes doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun. But okay, now having discussed a little of that, and we can get into it a little bit more. Um, you the you're talking about the effect on the town and what happened. 
But other than one frozen guy in a in a snowplow, we actually don't see anybody else. It is only this family. No, we see the inside of... Um, we see the inside of a house, but the people weren't there. Right. Because so they we were go, taken by we Krampus. Twilight Zone-ish with this, and this is really only happening to this family in this case. So you think maybe they're already in the snow globe kind of thing, maybe? This is only their this little... The forming of the snow globe, in a sense, uh, if you think of him in his workshop, uh, dreaming up how this goes. Um, he's setting the tone, but uh, they are, re- I-, I think, at that point, for this particular family, they already are removed from most of reality. Mm, I don't know, because towards the end, when, uh, when Max is trying to make his big sacrifice and everything, there's some elf or or a few elves actually pulling up a large um, wagon full of people screaming, yelling, trapped, you know, like they're going to get dumped down the hole. So I'm assuming that's the, that's, that's the townsfolk. Perhaps. I mean, that would jive more with uh, um, the grandmother's version of the tale where Krampus came yes. and wiped out her entire village. And, uh, um, well, and in this case, much like, uh, the grandmother, uh, Max was to be the, the one left behind to tell the tale. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one of the things we actually discussed quite a bit. Cause uh, of course, from the perspective of, a, of an 11 year old, what, why would he leave anybody? And I, and I, I was trying to get, into his mind I'm like the only way to be truly a truly effective uh, effective tyrant it is to have at least one person to be able to tell everybody else just how horrible you are <laughs> yeah the uh, the notion of leaving the bell and the child <laughs> leaving one and that Max was to be that this particular time and he refused mm-hmm. yeah no, so that, uh, I, I, I could see that that way, but I, I, I was prepared to uh, latch on to this is their world and Krampus is making them live it. Now, I think when this film was originally planned, uh, Dottori wanted to do... He wanted an R film. He wanted to do like a, a horror film, if I remember reading right. And the studio is pretty much what made him go. Now you, you gotta you gotta back it off a little bit. Um, do you think this would have worked better, worse, or do you, do you think it could have gone? You know, would it have worked as a hard R? I think. Uh, see, I like. I'm not saying this couldn't have been done better, but I like where this sits. I like that you can broaden your audience by not making it quite so gorish or ghoulish. Uh, since this is supposed to be a a tale of what goes wrong when you don't <laughs> when you don't get your shit together, <laughs> um, the idea that it could be for a broader audience, I like that. I like that it sits in the same sweet spot as Gremlins did, where 
just enough scare and creepy that you can put it in front of at least older kids um, without having to completely take it to adults. All right. Yep. Fair enough. No, and I think I probably agree with you. Um, yeah, I like the humor. It 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 works. Sometimes it feels a little odd. It's kind of one of these situations where, in this kind of situation, would you really be making jokes, <laughs> kind of thing? But it, you hit the I believe button. You know, this is a movie. This isn't real life. So you got to have to just take that kind of stuff because that's the way this you this particular universe is working. And you could have gotten. Yeah, you just I. I don't need it to be a gore fest. Honestly, that will turn me off of a film faster than almost anything. If it's just, yeah, we're going to make this real bloody and disgusting just because we can make it bloody and disgusting. Right. What I like, too, is uh, with this having a fairly strong comedic cast, um, including the the aunt and the uncle were known for uh, um, uh, trying to add David... Kochner, um, who played Howard, the uncle, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm trying. Allison Tolman. Allison Tolman, who played Linda. Um, they're known for doing uh, other comedic uh, style work, too. And what I think I liked is in this setting, they all play it pretty straight. They, yeah. They're, yeah. they're playing this as if they're not going for National Lampoon Camp in this. You get that kind of at the beginning, but it was kind of natural to what was going on at the beginning. It, it, it could have still been any family setting where the kids done something kind of <laughs> kind of bad, and and the family is just reacting to that. Um, so the 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 comedy comes in the 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 surreal nature of things that are coming, and I can't not talk about the gingerbread man attack. Yep, no, you got to mention the them. <laughs> One of which voiced by Seth Green. I know, right? <laughs> Speaking of more of comedy. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, until I actually sat down and saw the credits again, I didn't even realize he was in there. <laughs> well, and I, I, I think that's... You know, one of Seth Green's specialties, I think, is just finding these these weird roles. You know, these befriending somebody and going, "Hey, can I can I do a voice?" <laughs> or, or or just letting them know, you know, I could do that. <laughs> yeah, won't cost you much. Um, but yeah, no, the the, the gingerbread man attack is just one of those move, moments that just kind of eat. Even if you hate the film, if you hate this film, you can't not enjoy that particular scene when when the three gingerbread men are trying to take out the uncle with, mm-hmm. with a nail gun from in the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, and, and having a good turn at it. Yeah, yeah, damn near damn near doing the job, too. Uh, and the final one going after him with a sharpened uh, candy cane. That was... And you're waiting for it. You're like, this is when Uncle Howard goes out. He's going to be taken out by a gingerbread man. And he's saved by their dog. Yes. <laughs> and it's off camera, too. You just get him in the corner of the cabinets 
cringing, just waiting for this thing to be plunged into his eye or something. And he's waiting, he's waiting. Nothing happens, and when he looks up, there's just the dog licking its lips because it's eating the thing out of the midair. That was awesome. Yep, no, that was fantastic. It was definitely... The little bits that they do that they do just for the humor is actually done really well. And and that's what I like. Uh, When it's funny, it's funny in the middle of a serious thing. It's lightening up the mood of of the horror and that's what i kind of like about the balance of this this is that's what was going on in the gremlins movie too is when the gremlins were doing something absolutely nightmarish they were doing it in a funny way mm-hmm. so so it's that gallows humor that 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 dark that dark comedy feel uh like the other one that's also fun that stands out for me is when uh when um uh, Aunt Dorothy has the shotgun and they're being attacked again by the stuff that they just fought in the attic. Um, and <laughs> she nails the the creepy uh, Christmas angel thing and when she shoots it, it embeds in the Christmas wreath over the fireplace. Yes. <laughs> that was too awesome. Like bullseye, yeah. <laughs> yep. And now it's their new family decoration. <laughs> <laughs> now, definitely, I mean, I'm glad I I'm glad I watched it. Uh, like I said, I did enjoy myself. It, it, I didn't feel like I wasted my time watching it or anything. Yeah. But unlike you, it, it I really don't see myself revisiting this one a, a ton. No? No, no. I dare you to try it annually. <laughs> And this is from a guy I just watched it really for the first time last year. So, um, and then I watched it again with Jack this year, and that was, it was just a good time. I, I think in the right setting, it 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 has that right amount of camp and creepy and all that. Um, of course, I squeezed that in this weekend with Gremlins too. So. <laughs> So it made for kind of a fun theme. So uh, yeah, perfect. Yeah. Well, I am definitely in the minority because I think more people are, are with you when this film was in the theaters, despite mixed reviews on a $15 million budget, this bad boy raked in over $61 million. That's a nice haul for a Christmas uh, horror movie. <laughs> yeah. So not bad. So yeah, as, as always, or as typical, I'm in the minority on the opinion of a film. <laughs> <laughs> it happens once in a while. Now, would you like a few of the the timely reviews of the day? I do. Yeah. What did people have? To, what are some of these mixed reviews that I've been reading about? Oh, and uh, and they they were a little mixed. Um, so uh, from the Roger Ebert dot uh, com um, in from twenty fifteen, uh, Peter Sabzinski uh, wrote for this one. I'm gonna. He, he spent most of his uh, review just giving it a synopsis again. But in the end, he goes, In the grand scheme of holiday-related films of note, Krampus is neither as creepy as Love the Coopers, which I'm going to have to look up, um, nor as sadistic as Home Alone. And it feels as if it is maybe one or two rewrites away from being the alternative classic that it clearly wants to be. 
It still has its charms, certainly more than one might expect based on Universal's decision to release it without any advanced press screenings and just enough things going for it to warrant a mild recommendation. Besides, do you think I, I want to get on the bad side of Krampus by, planning, by panning his movie? I may be naughty, <laughs> but I am not stupid. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm kind of I'm right in step with the, this reviewer. Yes. On on, on on the on the opinion and the, and the thought. Yeah, I I think yeah, I like his idea that just, you know, one or two rewrites away from being an absolute classic. And, and and you know what, as much as I enjoy this film, as much as this is now part of my holiday tradition, um yeah, I I I'm I'm with you. There there's there's a couple of things and I, honestly, I don't even know what they are because I do like it as much as I do. But yeah, it it's still just shy of being this thing that everybody just raves about all the time. It's close, mm-hmm. but it's not quite. I'm not sure what it is. Um, now, I also got one here from, um, it's from Empire. Uh, Kim Newman from 2015 as well uh, wrote a review. The Great author, that, by the way. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I've read I've read several books by Kim Newman. So, all right, let's see what he has to say. Interesting. Uh, the one excerpt I like the most is like Scrooge, the clan learns lessons about the meaning of Christmas while tormented by the supernatural. So, a- a- excellent point on, on that. Uh, um, and that's what I was kind of alluding to earlier is uh, like you want you want a Christmas carol. Well, to a degree, this kind of is a Christmas carol. Yeah, no, I can definitely see that because yes, they they all realize these are the families. We were talking about this when we were discussing like awkward Thanksgiving, uh, the idea that you get together with these family members that you're related by blood, but beyond that, you have absolutely nothing in common with them. Right, and that, and again, that's exactly what's going on with this family when this when the uncle and aunt show up. Um, no, no one really. They all love each other, but no one really likes them each other right (laughs) and so throughout the film though they realize that they each bring something else to um the situation that without whom they wouldn't be able to survive they all learn to rely on each other and realize that yes we don't always get along and yes we have different opinions but you're just as valid as i is you know as anyone uh, so yeah, that is a fantastic lesson that is is taught in this film, uh, or for and for these characters. Yes, uh, unfortunately, it just doesn't. Eh, uh, it doesn't make any difference. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it didn't. Um, and, and yeah, that that's where the similarity ends. Uh, while Scrooge got to go on and still be rich and now loved by everybody, um, this family <laughs> went on to uh, uh, to enjoy a miserable Christmas morning for eternity. Yes, in, unless you're that really Pollyanna person. <laughs> that, but no, that, that's just a little TV. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm glad things are sunny in your world all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Pollyanna is definitely, yeah, someone was trying really hard for that uh, take on that one. I, I guarantee you, uh, 
you interview a hundred people after they saw that movie and ask, what do you think <laughs> happened at the end? I, I, Ninety-nine and a half of them <laughs> will still come up with, uh, yeah, they're in hell. <laughs> Parting thoughts. No, I, I think that pretty much have, have said it all. I, I do agree with that first reviewer. I think that's a, a perfect way to kind of my own summation of the film is, is you know, it's a good film. I'm certainly not going to bash the film. I mean, I did, like I said, I enjoyed the time I spent watching it. I didn't feel like I was wasting my time. It's just not a film I'm going to, oh, let's watch Krampus again. <laughs> I really thought I was. I guess that was it. You know, that the when the film started, those first 10, 15 minutes of the film, even maybe the first half hour, even after we started getting into the the more of the the darker elements and everything, I really thought, oh my god, this is going to be the film. Um, but just in the end, it, it it wasn't. Not for me. No. Still, it's gonna. While I'm not gonna watch this thing into the ground, yeah, the, this will remain on my list. Uh, it's a December treat every year. Yeah. It, it's definitely, it's not a film that I would say that if someone wanted to throw it in and watch it, I'm not going to go, oh, I don't want to watch that. You know, I'd be happy to watch it again if it was someone else's decision, if they wanted to sit down and watch it. Sure, sure, I'll watch that with you. Ooh, and for anyone that's interested, um, I found this out. Uh, I don't know if they released it late, um, but last year, um, after we discovered the film, at least on BigBadToyStore.com, um, they sold the Krampus Bell. Oh, nice. Like a nice ornament. Yes, uh, and I did. I purchased one. Uh, but when I found it, it wasn't going to be released till January. <laughs> like, what? Oh, uh, like, yeah, no. Uh, so we, we bought it, uh, and it will go on the tree for the first time this year. So, nice very good right well, i hope you guys i hope you guys keep your christmas spirit and you don't have to uh you know fight for your lives or anything from a uh, giant jack-in-the-boxes <laughs> just keep your fires hot well that is all gonna do it for this for our i guess what we will call our christmas episode for new year's our next episode is gonna fall around the new year's day holiday and I thought I wanted to go back and look at a film that I've not watched probably since it first came out on home video. I wanted to watch Strange Days again. Yes. No, I don't think I've seen that since then as well. So this is going to be a first for us in a long time. Yeah, it may be. We may have watched it in your basement. <laughs> it very well could have happened that way. <laughs> After we rented it from your blockbuster. <laughs> right. Yeah, we probably saw this on VHS. <laughs> that is more than likely, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm uh, really looking forward to watching this one again. I remember actually being pretty impressed with it, uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to, to watching it again and seeing how well it holds up now, what, almost 20 years later. Yeah, wow. Just... Actually, I guess it would be 20 years later because I think it was supposed to... Let's see, what year was that? Well, I know it was supposed to take place in 1999. Yeah. So that... it had to have been... But 95, maybe something like that. Something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're dead 25 years. But yeah, that is going to do it. Uh, happy holidays, everyone. Enjoy your Hanukkah, your Christmas, your Festivus, your Kwanzaa, whatever celebration you choose this year. Uh, please have a great, fun, and safe one. Uh, continue to stay safe. 
you know, uh, wear a mask. Get some nice holiday-themed masks. You can wear those. Little, you know, snowflakes, reindeer. They're all out there. You know, nothing passes the time better with family than listening to us talk about these movies. Tom, thanks very much. Thanks for bringing the film to the table. Absolutely. It was a good time. Good. So we'll talk to everybody in a couple weeks. Bye, all. See you.